I'm joined by Robbie John. Thanks for meeting up with The Antidote, Robbie. Thank you for having me. Um, I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks, and I'm glad to be here. The style of Robbie John stretches music boundaries. Your music has been called reggae hip-hop fusion, but you bring even more into it than that. Um, I, I think that um, for me, I give up on putting a, a name or a label on, on what I do because when I receive it, it's as much writing and lyrics and intellect as much as spiritual for me. So when I get it, I might have a, a form in terms of a ballad, maybe um, some reggae bars, maybe some hip hop. And so I, I found out that I, I don't really get to dictate how it comes out. As long as the content is true to what I'm feeling or what I'm observing, then I just ride with it. So you're right. I push boundaries and I'm not trying to be this guy who wants to reinvent you know, some sort of a new genre, but that's always the way it's worked out for me as far as just writing and delivery. You know, I never know what it's going to look like, but I just hope it's, it's relatable. But you're not ready to take your music into pop punk. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> like I said, it's like, I've been struggling to find a, um, a word to describe it, and the best that I've landed upon is the whole idea of, of fusion. Because um, growing up, you know, in a reggae context, um, I still you know, watch you know stuff from David Bowie, um, alternative like you know, Jewel, um, Fastball, uh, down to hip hop like um, DMX and um, Run DMC and these guys. So um, I don't know where I'm at, um, but it depends on the the, the listener, whatever makes sense to them and however they imbibe it um, as long as they're inspired i think that that's my goal the bulk of your music is written from a christian viewpoint and now i hate to say this but it is true reggae influenced music isn't even a niche in the christian music market how do you feel about that like should reggae be taking a larger place i think um i feel comfortable with that i don't necessarily try to say, hey, I'm going to be a Christian person sitting and writing these lyrics. But um, Christianity is my uh, my worldview. And so I, I can't help but to have things um, spill over into into my songs. Um, as far as reggae being um, into like fused with a Christian genre, I think it just depends on the listener. Um, you know, it's not necessarily Christian as far as its origin, you know, from you know Bob Marley and um, the whole Rastafarianism movement. But um, I, I embrace reggae because of its its message as far as, you know, love and um, as far as um, treating each other with, in terms of equality, having a good time and being in community. I think that's one of the big things. Even Christians preach about, you know, being in community and taking care of each other and stuff and having a good time and not hurting each other. And I think those sentiments, even if they are um, inborn concepts with reggae, I think they spill over into like Christian genres as far as community and taking care of each other and just having having fun. Um, there is a bridge between Christianity and, you know, reggae music, the genre on a whole. Some of that reggae influence must have come up because you grew up in Dominica. Yes. You share about that on the song Ode to Dominica. Was that mm -hmm. a culture shock moving from Dominica to the States? Um, <clears throat> not really. Um, for one, I was sort of familiarized with American culture. I grew up, you know, watching um, American TV, Little House on the Prairie, the game shows, the movies, um, Alice Schwarzenegger, and all those things. So when I came to go to um, school at Howard University in Arkansas, seriously, Arkansas, 
I, I, I pretty much knew certain things about America, but um, as far as leaving, engaging with the culture on the ground, I think um, it gave me a more of a appreciation for diversity. Um, and I wasn't, I was never really far from home in terms of access to things. A lot of um, Latin places, you know, sell like the rice and the beans and the things that I grew up with. So as far as that part of culture and meeting people who are from different islands, you know, from Arkansas to Florida to um, even Boston, I never felt like I was, you know, really away from home because um, people and the food culture and the music was well represented in the parts of the states that I have lived. You see, I can't imagine how I'd feel moving to another country. <laughs> but you never felt that leaving Dominica left you feeling divided, like you're still one part there and the other part is in the here and the now? Not really. I mean, I, I've heard people describe it and I've met people who struggle with it. But for me, um, you know, one thing about the Caribbean is that um, you are encouraged to go anywhere and make it. There's this never die concept that you get introduced to um, in the small villages where we carry water because, you know, at certain points in our lives, there was no fluent water in, in our kitchens or stuff like that. So you get an appreciation for life. You grow with tenacity and um, just never die spirit so that you can go anywhere and say, hey, if I came from the Caribbean and we live like this and we still enjoyed ourselves, I could go anywhere and make it. And so for me, that kind of carried me. Coming to America was uh, another way to say, hey, um, this is a test and I'm not going to fail because of where I come from. And so um, with that being my mindset, I never really had a, that time to feel like, oh, well, you know, I can't do this. or this is so strange. This, this is not my home. Wherever you go as a Caribbean person, you can make it your home. And that, that's what we live with um, growing up. And that's what we were taught. That's pretty admirable to have that tenacity to keep going that way because so much of our culture, people expect things just to be handed to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of uh, um, found it strange when I first came up here that you, had, you guys had drive-thrus. Like, you know, meals would be ready in like two minutes, you know, and back home, everything is from scratch. You know, you, 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 um, you boil the fish or you fry the fish or you cook the rice, you know, here, I could jump in in a line at at, at um, McDonald's and get a coffee and a burger in like forty five seconds. So it was funny. <laughs> oh come on, give us the truth. You go to the drive through too. Well, the Chick Fil A drive through, um, <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> I still love to cook. I still buy my stuff. And my wife, she's American, but her mom is from um from Saint Lucia, so she gets the whole island vibe, and we sort of uh, do half and half. Um, but yeah, I, I love to cook still. I love to cook. And the drive through is an option when there's no time. So, um, so that's that. Even musicians that I think of as being successful, they don't make their living from their art. What takes up your time besides your music, Robbie? Well, um, I guess to no surprise, I am a, um, a youth pastor, a Christian church in um, Tampa, Florida. And so I've been in ministry for um, 13 years. Actually, I came up to the States um, on a uh, Bible scholarship. I did my undergrad at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. And then I started to work with churches in Florida, went to Tennessee to do outreach ministries, which was really good in Memphis. And then I recently moved back down to Tampa to take this job here. So I'm here, my wife, my two kids, my three-year-old boy, Micah, and my seven-year-old daughter, Samira. Um, we're all here loving ministry. 
so that's what I do for my day job. Um, a lot of trips, a lot of um, summer camps, a lot of um, devotions and rallies and stuff like that. And the cool thing about it is I actually get to do my music within that avenue. Um, I'll get invited to speak and to do music at different places as far as um, churches or non-profit organizations. Um, it goes hand in hand. So effectively, your music is an extension of your ministry. Yes, sir. Couldn't have said it better. Something like that comes up in your song, Know My Name. Have you never dreamt about taking your music out from being just a part-time thing? Yeah, I have. Um, But the way that I define success, I think it might be different for most musicians. Um, Success for me is to get that one email from this person in Cape Cod that is repeating my lyrics from um, Know My Name and um, Breaking Chains. And they're telling me how this has helped them for the past couple of days to actually get up and do something because of the message. Um, If I can affect people, um, aside from record sales and all that, from TuneCore and um, streaming sales and all that stuff, if I can affect someone positively, not just Christians, because I believe that the message that I'm trying to spread with my music It's pointed as far as Christian um, sentiments, but it is general in the sense that you have the strength and tenacity to overcome obstacles, um, whether circumstances outward or even um, inward. And so that's how I find success. If people can use the music to actually keep on moving, then I feel happy. Like, actually, I've done something that I'm not contributing to this negative energy um, that is already in the world. And there is negative music. You know, if it happens as far as you know, mainstream and maybe um, more album sales or a record deal, I-, I welcome that. But at the end of the day, even if those things don't come, and even if I don't get any accolades, I'll still do what I do because I'll get up at three in the morning because something's on my heart and I can't sleep. So it's not just you know getting to a place of you know recognition as far as music labels, but you know whether people can use this music. As long as people can use this music, I'll keep on pumping it out. Why don't we take this in an abstract direction? What's the value of music in both faith and culture? I think I really think it's inspiration. If somebody could take up a song, whether Christian or secular, and feel good about themselves, feel good about their neighbors, feel good about the world, and have some hope, I think that's what music should do. I don't think you should listen to music and then you know hate the people around you or hate your life. I think. Music should, you know, be an avenue to express, you know, our joys, our hurts, our pains and be therapeutic so that we can process those things in a way that actually leaves us better. Because, I mean, to human beings, there's darkness and there's light. And I embrace both. I don't get up saying, oh, I love Jesus and, you know, there's only going to be light in my life. I'm like, golly, I mean, no one lives like that. In the real world, it's messed up. And I want to be able to express those sentiments and welcome those moments of you know struggle, of hurt and pain and darkness, and to know that it's going to make me a better person. And I think whether you're talking about contemporary Christian or, or whatever, um, or, or just um, rock or, or alternative, I think that's what music should do, should make you better, make you want to live better in a general sense. A couple of years back, you recorded a track called November Man. Yes. Last year, you brought out November Man Remix. I was expecting to hear a music remix of the original, but the (laughs) November Man Remix is a totally different song. So how do the two songs relate to each other? Um, 
Uh, it's the same theme. For the first one I did, November Man, it actually inspired of the movie by Pierce Brosnan, The November Man, kind of like a James Bond remix type thing. And basically, um, in the movie, whenever he would show up, people would die and they would be hurt in pain. So I imported those sentiments into the song, The November Man, um, to show my struggle with trusting people, to show my own struggle with you know, being um, just volatile sometimes and being angry. And so the first two verses really goes into the idea that, hey, I don't trust people, number one. I'm not, I'm not a good person. I don't want you to trust me. I don't need, I don't need friends. I don't need anybody. And then, of course, I kind of cycle it down to the idea that I'm struggling. I'm trying to be better. And the only person that can make me better is the one who I trust for my salvation. November Man remix um, expressed um, some of those same sentiments, but instead of just um, being general, I put it down to the level of my familial relationships. Um, the whole idea that my dad, you know, told me that he preferred my brother, you know, more than that needed me because you know my brother was able to help him in construction and this and that. And so that 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 sort of stayed with me. And so for the remix, I was like. You know, I'm a ticking time bomb and because people have pushed me away. People have said that they don't need me. And guess what? I don't need them, too. And, um, you know, so with my dad and other people and um, at the end of the song, I'm like, you know, maybe I'll crumble. Maybe, you know, I might give Jesus my life or maybe I'll just go down to the grave like this with the brave people who said, you know, just chuck it. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. And, you know, I don't need people because all they do, all they give is written pain. So for both songs, the, the theme is the same. Uh, for the first one, it's more general. For the second one, I, I brought it down to like uh, my family situation. That must have been a really tough thing to handle, hearing that comment from your father. Actually, um, it would have been. I was 12 years old when I heard that. And I said to myself, I was standing in the porch of my, uh, my auntie. And um, when he said that, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that you are wrong. Um, my dad died last year. Um, and that's another bag of things that, you know, I've been working through. And uh, But, you know, I told myself that I was not going to let this statement define me. So um, I just went to work, man. Um, school, got my A-levels done from Cambridge, you know, came to the States. And it's it's not a chip on my shoulder anymore. I, kinda, I sort of worked through that. But um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to show you. I'm not going to cower and, you know, cry and feel sorry for myself. I'm going to show you that, you know, what you think about me is not true, because I know who I am. So, yeah. The album Pilgrim has a track called Soldier, S-O-U-L-D-I-E-R, which is a really cool play on words. <laughs> it's about being part of the army of God. Is your Christian faith a battle? Uh, it is. Um, I, I don't like um, people to express Christianity as this bed of roses type of thing. Every day you get up, you know, you have to make a choice in terms of your behavior and in terms of how you guard your mind, what to let in and what to let out. Um, but it is it is a battle. Some days I don't want to be a Christian, to be honest. Some days I get up, I'm in a bad mood or I'm working through certain things and I'm not the best person to talk to or to engage with. But, you know, I am better because he makes me better. Not because of anything that I've done or a whole perfect this whole Christianity thing is. I mean, they've been doing stuff in the name of Christ, you know, like the Crusades was in the name of Christ. And that was a bad thing, killing people who didn't subscribe to certain faiths and stuff like that. So I know that with Christianity, there's baggage. And, you know, Christianity is perpetuated by human beings in terms of being institutionalized. And so with that, you know, you can go to any church 
and get leaders who are charismatic or egocentric or just care about themselves and not people. And I understand that. But um, at the end of the day, I have a choice, you know, to see that the feet of God so that he can make me better. So that when you meet me, um, you know that I'm struggling, but I'm trying. I don't have it all together, but I want to be better. And I, that's the thing I think that separates, you know, good Christians from people who, who just say that they're Christians. We all know that no one's perfect. Don't pretend that you're self-righteous or you're perfect. Be open with your struggle. Be, be, be transparent. And understand that, you know, if you let people in to say that you're trying, they can get on the same road with you and struggle together and grow together. And that's my perspective on this whole thing in terms of soul there and being in an army and, you know, it being a battle every day because you really have to want it and work for it. You're preaching, aren't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, that same theme comes out again on the new Robbie John release, Prevail. You've got the song... Josh Soldier, I got to tell you that I come from a pacifist church background, so I really tend to disagree with Christians taking on this military mindset. You know, yeah. the militant Christian. It seems contrary to what Christ taught. Well, um, I would agree with you in terms of um, how the whole idea of patriotism, nationalism is expressed, you know, through governments and countries. And I mean, Whenever I use those themes, I'm really trying to use an avenue that people are already experienced with or, or privy to. Not necessarily to say it's in the same way. It's not like um, the whole militant idea is the same as how countries express it. But just to stand up, I think that um, as Christians sometimes, you know, uh, we are too afraid to express what we believe in because we think somebody's going to hate us or, or disagree with us. I mean, I love people to disagree with me because then we can sit down and talk about our differences. I don't, I don't have any problem with differences. I, I don't expect people to agree with one of my sentiments. But at the end of the day, if, if I can generate something that, would, that could cause a conversation or discussion piece, then I think that's how we get better in society, by discussing our differences in terms of personality, in terms of character, in terms of ideologies, so that we can figure out how to go forward. So for me, um, when you say it's like it's militant, um, this is an avenue, an opportunity for me to say, hey, I understand where you come from and I agree, because when I use those, those words, they are already defined in a certain way by society. But let me also say that my sentiments are not coming from the definition of what society has for militant, as opposed to Christians needed to be more assertive um, in terms of proclaiming what they believe in, not being brash, but to just say, hey, this is who I am. You know, because freedom of speech and all that stuff in our society gives everyone, every group of right to say, hey, this is who I am. And as civil people, we can talk about it and we can still love each other and get along and agree to disagree. And it's fine, Dave. I think this question should be asked because, like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, if you, if you just want to do something and expect 100% participation and, you know, no critics, that's how we get better, by constructive criticism, by open questions, by being honest. If you're not going to ask me or tell me what's in your heart and mind, then we are not communicating. This is a surface level thing. We need to say things from our heart and mind. That way we can get to where we need to be. Exactly. I'm in total agreement with you. On the Prevail release, you bring in your own personal pain with Broken Home. And of course, you'd spoken about your father earlier. Was it healing for you to share about that? It was. I think... Um, 
and 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 I'm, I'm just a knock against counselors. I've been to counselors for other reasons, but um, for me, those emotions are pent up. And whenever I write songs, they get expressed, and I I, I process them. Um, and it's a dangerous thing because people can really see your life and um, your walk, where you've been, what you've done, what you've experienced. For me to write a song, you'd have to have either gone through an experience or make an, made an observation. And a lot of the stuff I write is very personal, but I also think even in expressing it like that, it helps me. And it also helps somebody else who's probably had, you know, a mom and dad got divorced or, you know, spousal abuse or whatever. You know, they understand that they're, they're not the only persons working through those things, those memories. And um, as a community, we can encourage one another, you know, to get past those hurts and those bad memories and be able to reflect light, reflect a better example, even in our present relationships and even to our kids. So for me, it helps me to resolve my past hurts. And I think it invites other people to um, also resolve, you know, their present or past hurts. Well, we've been talking about the new release, Prevail, and we need to talk about the title track. Does that song sum up the purpose of Robbie John? I think so. I think um, to prevail against all odds. Um, and I think I have sentiments there from my Caribbean background, from my religious background, and from just someone, you know, taking this journey through life. We all work to provide. We all work um, at careers to excel to go from one level to the next. So this theme of prevailing is deeply embedded in society, not just um, in um, our religious culture, you know, but in culture in general. Um, we want to do better, be better, get better. And I think for me, it goes deeper than just on a societal level, obviously uh, on a spiritual level, but I think everyone could connect with it because you're always trying to be better for yourself, for your kids, for your family. Um, to prevail. And so the title track, I think, really speaks to um, people that are getting up in the morning and trying to get to a destination to where they've done something. With their life, they actually did something. Would you say that you've reached that destination for yourself? No, no. I, I will say I've recognized the journey, which is what the body of work sort of underscores, that I, I embrace it, I recognize it, and I accept it. How this thing ends, I do not know. But with every day that I live, I want to make sure that I exert positive energy, positive sentiment, so that it does end well. Before we close up, can you tell us how to find your music? Oh, cool. So um, you go to my website. It's uh, robbyjohnmusic.com. That's R-O-B-B-Y-J-O-H-N-M-U-S-I-C.com. And um, it'll give you links um, to, if you want to buy it, on, I'm on iTunes, on Amazon.com. If you want to stream it. Um, you can go to um, SoundCloud. If you want to get a free copy of Prevail or the November Man, you just go to Noistrade, noistrade.com, and um, type in my, my name, Robbie John, and my albums will be there. Also on um, Spotify. And um, so I'm everywhere um, as far as um, streaming. But if, if you have problems navigating, just go to my website, robbiejohnmusic.com, and um, it'll have pointers to take it to my videos and to my music, to my bio and uh, the new things I have coming up. Um, I'm going to keep you updated. I'm actually working right now on a 15-track album, which is due to come out in the summer. Boy, you're a prolific guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I'm telling you, Dave, like, honestly, I have, like, at least 
about 45 songs that just sitting there. And so every time I write new ones, it really messes with me because I have to arrange these things and figure out, you know, um, instrumentations and tracks and stuff. But I can't pause it and I can't stop it. So I always have music. I just, I just have to figure out, you know, what I want to do and how I'm going to label them and what would the release be. But I've been really grooving this new album and there's a theme that runs within it. And so I'm going to arrange these tracks to put it out there. But man, every day I'm, I'm working on my phone, taking voice clips, notes here and there on my computer because songs are everywhere. Oh my <laughs> gosh. They're just oozing out of your pores. Yeah. <laughs> How cool. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing, Robbie. It's been great having you here on The Antidote. Uh, thank you, Dave. Um, I respect what you guys do. And just to um, interact with you know, grassroots indie artists um, who are actually just trying to do something with the music. And I thank you so much for um, giving me a platform to explain, you know, why I write the way I write.